Welcome to Little Things, your weekly friend meet cute with me, Coastly Cummings. It's cozy time. Hi, welcome to Little Things. It's so good to be back podcasting. I actually did a few episodes in a row ahead of time trying to do some batch content production. <laughs> so I do more at one time and then I'm able to take a step back and not think about it over the next couple weeks. So it's for me, it's been a couple weeks since I've even sat down to record anything. So it feels really good to sit down and feel like I'm having a conversation with you guys. Um, I realized from my opening and little ditty that maybe you, some of you don't even know what this podcast is about. <laughs> I started calling it a weekly meet cute and said it's cozy time, but I mean, that can mean any number of things. So maybe I'll tell you a little bit about what this podcast is, like who I am and why I host this podcast. So basically I've been doing this since 2017, but I've taken a couple breaks from it. Um, I have had one baby and then I've worked full time off and on during that period and moved a couple times. So I've taken breaks and I've called them seasons, podcast seasons, but really one of the breaks was like a year and a half. Um, and that's when we did a really big move and I just didn't have the capacity to do the podcast anymore. But from the beginning, the podcast has always been, I've always made it with a goal that it would be a form of kind of accountability for me um, as a stay-at-home mom and also as a human, <laughs> a woman, a person who you know, I love to learn. I'm really curious. I'm, I call myself a generalist. I love a lot of different things, really interested in a lot of different things. Um, and I stay at home with my kids and I work, I've worked full time. I've worked part time. I've worked contract positions, freelance positions. Um, I've done any manner of different variations of flexible work or full time work. Um, and kind of in all those different iterations of my professional life, I felt quite lonely in the experience. Um, I think just mostly because, you know, no one can tell you exactly how it's going to feel for you navigating your adult life <laughs> or entering your, you know, your late twenties or early thirties. And, um, I think for me, it just, I realized once I did start working a little bit more from home that I had, a lot more energy for myself and I felt a lot happier myself. I was less resentful. I didn't have any more resentment because I think that work and developing my talents and making money, those are all things that have always been valuable to me. And for the period of time that I didn't do that, I always, always feel like there was something missing. However, looking back, I do feel like I made the right choices at the right times and maybe you can relate or just felt like I was doing what I could and what felt like it was right at the time in different seasons and I have four kids so each time I had a baby it was just like a new transition and there were some times where I felt like I had more time you know I had kids that slept better or slept worse or um my spouse was more available and during the week or not, depending on like work schedules or we never lived close to family. So that's not really an element um, that I could weigh of whether we had that, you know, hands-on support or not. But um, maybe sometimes there were more financial means or not to have um, more help at home. 
or maybe I had like a stronger friend or neighborhood or church network so that I felt like I had more mental, emotional, physical capacity to add more to my life. Um, Anyway, this is all to say that I originally started this podcast 2017 in my closet in Berkeley, California. I had three kids at the time. I'm like trying to do the math. Yes, I had three kids at the time and a little, my youngest napped like you would not believe. Like I'm not joking when I say sometimes he would take six hour naps, like at one time, like, but it was common that it would be like a four hour nap. So in that four hour nap, um, combined with early morning work hours and sometimes evening, um, meaning I'd work from like five to seven thirty in the morning and my husband would do the morning and then the baby would nap for four hours during the day after we had gone to like Costco and clean the house and gone for walks and gone to the park and stuff like that. I had time to do this and I was out of things to do when my other two kids were in pre-K or kindergarten. So I I've always been interested in audio, radio. I grew up listening to like Garrison Keillor and different shows on the radio um, with my family. I just feel like we've always had the radio on, like talk radio, NPR, that kind of thing. I've always been really interested and want to work in audio in some way, and but I've always been really intimidated by the tools and you know, not having like a sound booth or I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously in the past five years, even just the last couple years, 10 years, podcasting has been around for a while, but the last five years it's exploded last couple years, just completely. Um, it's insane how big podcasting, um, is now, but it just is really accessible. I mean, there's free tools online. And when I started this in 2017, it still felt fairly limited, um, I didn't have a Mac computer, so I was using my PC and recording in a web-based program called Soundtrap because I was too intimidated and I couldn't get GarageBand because I didn't have a Mac, right? But even by Audacity, the <clears throat> audio program, I was too intimidated to use that, so I was using web-based programs and then moving it over to something called Spreaker. Then I moved from Spreaker to Anchor, which is a different program, um, like podcast platform that was acquired by Spotify two years ago, 2019, I believe. Um, and now how that has developed, Anchor has its own web-based recording software that you can use. And that's what I use on, because I still have a PC, PC um, laptop. But anyway, it's super accessible. I just had to do it in my closet. I only needed basically an hour and a half, two hours to be able to record and, you know, write out an episode take notes, um, record it, edit it, and share it. Um, I had a really crappy computer at the time, so sometimes even uploading the podcast would take like an hour and a half. <laughs> um, but anyway, through all of this experience of podcasting, I have been blown away by the sense of like community that comes from podcasting, despite my pod- my podcast being... Um, mostly me talking. Like I've only done two episodes, I believe, total. Um, my recent interview with Meg Conley and Miranda Anderson um, on mothering yourself. And then with Meg, we talked about homemaking, making a home that includes others. Anyway, those are the only two episodes where I've had others on and interviewed them. And the rest have just been me talking. For a long time, that felt 
I think I felt really self-conscious about that um, because even though I loved listening to like solo podcasts, solo host podcasts, I knew that it could be a lot listening to one voice <laughs> for that long. I think yeah, you need a break. Um, and also just I didn't want it to be a lot of navel gazing. I mean, I would stay up at night and not be able to fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night or it was just had, I just had a lot of anxiety about like, oh gosh, is this am I just making this so I can like hear myself talk? Like, am I, I'm not interesting enough to host this podcast, to have anything to talk about. Why would I have a podcast that anyone would listen to? Um, and then I took a break. I think that did get the better of me, if I'm being honest. And I took a break because I just like, I couldn't reconcile that in my mind that it felt like it was too navel gazing. Um, I also am a very private person. So I love to share and like connect, but I also feel nervous or hesitant to, I just never want to share too much or regret something that I share that I can't take back. Right. Um, and respect, um, the privacy of the people that I'm closest to and especially, you know, my children and make sure that they're safe and that work and not saying too much. Um, but then, you know, I really missed it. I missed it. And in the in the break between when I stopped podcasting until, you know, I did a couple episodes here and there and then started again, I had a lot that happened in my personal and professional life that I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to do the podcast at the same time. So those, you know, returning to work full time and becoming the breadwinner of my family for a short period, those have been um my like some of my life goals I think um and I was able to accomplish them not because I wasn't doing the podcast but it you know looking back I'm kind of like yeah you know like things fall into place the things that aren't as important they fall off when things that are more important rise to the top so but it feels really good to be doing this podcast again I really missed um I don't know I'm just always thinking about things that I want to share and I've always loved connecting people connecting women, friends of mine, like introducing them to each other, helping other people meet other people um, to find out where they want to move or the best eczema creams or um, the best preschools or um, places to go or the best parks or my favorite foods or healthy foods or snacks. Like, fashion, beauty stuff. Like I feel silly going on and on about like all the things that I love, but I love sharing about the things that I love. And um, this is what I do on my podcast. So, and, you know, I kind of brought it back too, because I just moved, you know, it can be fairly lonely to move overseas. We just moved from America to South Korea. So a lot on the podcast is centered around um, my life and my family's life living abroad for the first time, um, in living in Asia for the first time. And, um, I've heard from a lot of you on like Instagram or through emails that you really enjoy sort of living vicariously and like learning about the things that are new to me as I'm learning them. Um, so I'll just continue to share all that. I have a lot of fun sharing it. So, um, if you ever have questions, um, if you want to know specific things about what it's like to live in this part of the world, um, I would love to hear them. You can email me anytime 
and I'll put my email address in the bio if I try to spell it out. And I mean, I can do that, but <laughs> my, I, I, don't, I don't have a very common name, so I'll just put it in the, in the show notes. Um, but yeah, let's jump in. Today, I want to talk a little bit about five products that I've loved for my kids. Now, I've only been a parent for nine and a half years. Um, but, and I have all the same gender. They're all male. I have four boys, nine, seven, five, and two. And I have bought a lot of stuff that I wish I hadn't. And maybe you feel the same way. It's kind of a lot of trial and error. And I'm, I'm a researcher. I'm maybe even over, over researcher, but even with that, even with writing for baby blogs and being really immersed in like up and coming, like mom brands. I feel like I'd buy some things sometimes. I'm like, why did I buy this? This is not, this doesn't work for us. I don't really like it or the quality isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. So I want to share, oh, I'm saying five products. Okay. This is not five products. This is a lot more than five products. And I'm going to show you like, and talk to you about how I find them too. Um, secondhand, but I'm just kind of going to give a, like a laundry list. I hope that's okay. So one of my top things that I love, and I think it's really hard to find a good one, is the Munchkin brand sippy cups. The ones that don't have a straw, nipple, anything like that. It's just the edge. How do I describe it? It looks like a normal cup with a lid, and then it's sort of like ended on the top. And the kid just like, or baby just kind of compresses the side of it and the liquid comes out but they do not leak and they are so simple to clean there are two pieces two pieces not like a bunch of different pieces like normal sippy cups anyway i love those you can get a stainless steel version which is slightly heavier but it keeps things um colder so if you have milk that you need to put in there or they have just all plastic which is lighter and you can put any kind of liquid in it so munchkin sippy cups i'm also a huge fan of the micro kick scooters oh sorry you may be able to hear outside i think there's a truck driving by selling produce um and they are using a megaphone um micro kick scooters which i i don't know where that brand is based but um we first found out about micro kick scooters all the way back when we had our first baby in new york city because these specific scooters are super popular in big cities because they're really durable um So we got one when our littlest was a year and a half. We still have that scooter. Like it's lasted eight years. It's, it's a little in a rough shape, but we still have it. And then we have three others. We have four. So every kid has one and you can get, you know, the smallest one, the mini, and then up in ages. And then the youngest ones have three wheels. So two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back. And, um, the older ones are two wheels, like a more traditional scooter, but we love those. Love those. I see them all over here. There's a couple of other scooter brands in Korea that I want to check out, but I kind of just feel, I just feel partial to my Greek and they have great sales. The scooters are more expensive than one you can, than others that you can find that are less expensive, but they will last you. I also have found that they're easier for babies and kids. Um, toddlers to use to start learning a scooter on a, how to ride a scooter. And I do say babies because when my kids, as soon as they can stand up and they're seeing like friends or older brothers, like on their scooters, they are crawling over to a scooter and trying to ride on it. And um, once my kids are standing and 
starting to walk around like what 10, I mean, some kids is different for every kid, but mine are usually around like 10, 11 months. They're like scootering by the time they're like a little over a year old. It's crazy. They're like a little baby just like scooting around the park. I love it so much. It just it just gives that one other um, novel activity that you can have at the park for them to do. So we love those and worth every penny. I also love, we have a Columbia brand fleece jumpsuit. It's um, The lining is fleece like a yellow gingham. And then the outside is a waterproof. I'm not sure what kind of material it is, but it's waterproof, kind of like a Gore-Tex type of material. I think the suit together costs about $100 on Amazon. I bought it in 2012 and we still have it and all four of our kids have worn it. The fleece lining is a little worn out, but looks fine. The outside looks brand new. It is worth. It has been worth, worth every penny. I would literally dress our one year old like and it's kind of like the the sister of the traveling pants traveling pants like it always fits a kid like I would put it in a baby on a baby when they were like six or seven months old and just like roll up where it's too big and then they'd still be wearing it when they were like two and a half and I don't know how that works like my two and a half year old is wearing it but he was wearing it when he was like eight months too so I don't know how that's working. It just like is still cute when it's kind of big on them and it can be a little short and you can like, anyway, you can just make it work. And they wear the fleece lining as jammies or like when we're traveling, it's awesome because you don't have to put on a jacket. You just put on the fleece like in the winter or late fall when it, early spring when it's still cold. You could, they can just wear the fleece. It's one piece. It's easy to zip up really fast for diaper changes, but they can also just wear the outer shell in the spring or fall or winter in California when um, it's, you still want to go out and do stuff, but like if they're actually playing at the playground, they just get so wet. Like the second they go in the grass, their leggings or jeans or whatever are all wet. It's so annoying. So I would just put them in this like outer shell suit. They could crawl, especially when a baby can't walk yet. Oh my gosh, they get so dirty. So when you're camping at the park, anything like that. You can just put them in this outer suit that gets dirty. You shake it out, let it dry, whatever, wash it in the washer. And the the baby can just wear their normal clothes under and not get them dirty. Anyway, I love that thing. A Columbia fleece jumpsuit. It was on Amazon eight years ago. (laughs) It's probably still there. You can also just buy it from Columbia or I'm sure anywhere online, but there's a million different kinds. They also have like toughy suits. My friend had those and it's just like the outer shell, like it's a little suit like a kind of like a rain jacket but a lot thinner and totally waterproof you can put that over your baby like head to toe and they can play on the playground even when it's you know not even raining outside but just like you know in the morning when it's a little damp and it's just the worst when they get wet right away and they're cold and you're like okay well plans are ruined the other thing I love are native brand shoes and I don't know where this company is based either um, but they're those like perforated hole, they have perforated holes in them and they kind of come in cute colors and they're just slip on kind of a rubber EVA m- rubber material. They're super lightweight. They have a little arch support in them. Kids can do them by themselves starting pretty young. My two and a half year old can't do it by themselves quite yet, but soon, um, and they go up to my size. They actually, I actually have native shoes that, um, they have adult shoes too. I have boots 
from them that I like. Um, but yes, the water shoes, I call them the water shoes, but to be honest, my kids wore them, wore them all year round in California and the dark blue, gray, or black, I think even with a lot of wear, they still look pretty good. And we would let them wear them to church and stuff with their, with their, um, khakis. Um, this is kind of a funny thing, but I spent a lot of time figuring this out, so I'm going to share it. Kids' underwear, I don't know girls, little girls' underwear because I don't have a little girl, but little boys' underwear, I bought a lot of crappy boxer briefs for them, and with the help of Design Mom, um, she did a post like forever ago about like the best underwear for kids, and so she recommended like Uniqlo, Bowdoin, H&M, there were a few others, and I couldn't, Uniqlo can be really hard to find, they're like always sold out, but I have loved the, the H&M boxer briefs have held up really well, and you can get the conscious um, ones, I know that's so fast fashion, so maybe that doesn't appeal to you, I think Bowdoin's a little bit better that way, but um, those have held up really, really well, I'm really impressed with those. Okay, as far as toys, a number one toys, I feel like most toys, they're just like a fleeting thing. The only things they really like are like heavier race cars they can hold in their hands for the, like the little kids, Lego or magnetiles, which are those magnetic, colorful, um, <clears throat> thin blocks that you can build with. They're kind of pricey. There's also off-brands that I honestly, we've gotten those too, and they were fine. The off-brand's fine. Um, but the, the name brand magnetiles are pretty expensive, so they're a bit of an investment. But our kids love those. They like sit down with those and build things for a long time. Um, as far as kids' bikes, my husband is really into bikes. Um, not like cycling, literally just, and not like mountain bikes, literally like just the art of a beautiful bike <clears throat> not how fast it goes not how heavy it is like anything like that um and he has built a few bikes so i think he you know he kind of takes the lead on this he loves bikes so we when we lived in california we found out about clary bikes which are based in the bay area i'm trying to remember the area near near mill valley um and he would go and pick those up in person and they're a little bit pricier but um, you can start out with a balance bike and then, you know, take off the pedals and add the pedals back in. But we've had a Clary bike that has three of our kids have learned to ride by, ride on. And the other brand we were like is priority bikes and our two oldest, um, we have two priority bikes for them and those have been fantastic. And then we buy like little lights to, for them to put on their bikes. Cause they're really excited about that. And if you have the bike, you have to have the helmet. And we love the nutcase helmets because they're cute. That's all. I mean, they <laughs> got to have a bike helmet. And if we're going to have to have one, then I want them to be cute. My favorite stroller I've ever had is, was my City Mini single stroller. And I actually haven't had that since I lived in Brooklyn. And that was, we moved in 2013. So I sold it when we left. And I've always kind of wished I had it again. Um... I've also owned a Thule, I think that's how you say it, T-H-U-L-E, the Swedish brand. I've had um, their double stroller, double like jogging stroller, and I loved that. It's super sturdy. So I use that like crazy in California um, and would highly recommend that. 
now that we're in Korea, I had to buy a new stroller. And I really just wished I we ended up getting like a Korean brand and and it was still like four hundred dollars and it is not it's not my favorite stroller. It doesn't drive very well. It's it's not as smooth, it's not as sturdy as I would have hoped. But to import like a city mini would have been like another like couple hundred dollars, so we didn't do it. But maybe next time we go to the States, I'll just get one because I really think it would be awesome to have a city mini again here because um, we walk so much. If you're like me, then you always have like stuff, <laughs> like mom stuff, kid stuff. And we go to parks and like playgrounds a lot. So I always have a need for tote bags and I always have a lot of tote bags, but the, not all tote bags are created equally. Like you get free ones here and there and they're like, too thin or I don't like the design on them or the strap is like way too long or too short or like really uncomfortable. I love the Bagu tote bags. They're like washable and they're kind of that like parachute material, some of them. Um, and they like sling over the shoulder really nice and they're high on the side so stuff doesn't fall out. Anyway, I love, love those. I also have um, a Bagu like, it's a tote bag, but it feels a lot more like like a satchel. Um, it's like black and white grid. And my friend gave it to me before we moved to Korea and I love it. It's kind of just become my like default purse. It's really lightweight, but I can fit a lot if I need to. I love it. So for like seasonal clothes, snow clothes, fleece, jackets, boots, um, heavier kids' pajamas, I love to shop at secondhand stores. And we lived in Utah for about a year and a half before we moved here. And I loved to shop at local Deseret Industries, which are basically secondhand thrift stores that are run by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints throughout like the Intermountain West in America. And I've never found less expensive high quality secondhand items than I have at those stores. So if you are ever in Utah, Idaho, where else are DIs? I don't know actually. Utah, Idaho. If you're ever, I know there's people who listen to this podcast all over the world, but if you're ever in America and Utah, Idaho, please message me. <laughs> if you, My favorite DIs in Utah are the, are the Riverton one, the Springville one, sometimes the Sugar House one, um, the holiday one can be pretty good too. Um, I found so many treasures there, like really nice, gently used stuff. It's just been amazing. I also love to find, I try to like reuse stuff wherever I can. Like we pass down, like my kids totally wear hand-me-downs, of course, and from cousins and stuff. Um, but I also like to try to buy secondhand on like Facebook marketplace. I've had good luck there. Um, and then when we lived in Utah, I also loved the KSL Classifieds app. They had recently redone that app, that app and it worked really well. And I was able to sell a ton of stuff on it before we moved. It was incredible. And um, also get some kid stuff on there that was really great. So recommend that. And of course, there's like Craigslist, but I have found that I don't really use Craigslist much anymore. I kind of use um local Facebook groups or Facebook marketplace or like word of mouth or Instagram, that kind of thing. Okay, let's take a break. Do you like this podcast? Did you know that I write an email newsletter too? It's free and comes out every Sunday morning. 
It's supposed to feel more like a note from a friend than a typical email newsletter. I write about my life as an expat in South Korea, creativity, self-care, and interesting things I find online. If you'd like to subscribe, go to coastally.substack.com. I recently had an unsettling experience (laughs) with my K-Beauty products, a brand that I've been using and have loved. I felt like it turned on me. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it like something changed in my skin or there's ingredients in these specific products that over time it started to like irritate my skin, but I tend to have dry, sensitive skin. Um, and I have used this Korean brand called Innisfree, I-N-N-I-S-F-R-E-E, and really liked it. And since we've moved here, I've probably bought 10 products from Innisfree and used them. And there have been a couple that I tried and kind of knew that I wouldn't use again, that they felt too irritating or drying for my skin. One of those is, I think it's called, (laughs) I should have known, it's called Volcanic Clay. Um, There's like a toner and then a mask, and they're really popular, um, but I used them when we were living in a hotel when we first moved here. And I woke up the next morning and like my skin was like so red and then around my mouth like so irritated and for three days it just kind of hurt and like even wearing my mask oh my gosh it was so uncomfortable it kind of like itched and hurt it was terrible well I forgot to throw it away and then we moved to where we live now into our new apartment from the hotel to the apartment and that came with me that volcanic clay those products and a couple weeks ago I used them again because I forgot. And I was like taking a bath and I'm like, oh, I'll do like a mask. And then I'll do like a whole thing while I'm like listening to a podcast in the bath. And I did. And then even right after I had like taken off the mask, I was like, oh, I could tell my skin felt kind of dry and like irritated. And I was like, oh no, I forgot. So then the next morning, of course, I woke up and it it was like all irritated by my mouth and like my cheeks and stuff. So for the next three days, it was uncomfortable again. So I'll never use that volcanic stuff again, but I'm kind of having issues with a couple of more Innisfree products. Um, there's one that I still really like. It's called, it's an oil-based cleanser. It's olive oil cleansing oil. That's what it is. And that I don't know. I've heard that people have mixed reviews on using olive oil on their skin, but it's been really good for me because I have really dry skin and I'm really into oil-based cleansers and just using oil on my face because I feel like that's the only way it stays moisturized. Like even the heaviest lotions, I feel like don't usually work on my face. Um, So I use that, but then there's a couple other masks that I've used that have been irritating. And then I tried another I was excited and bought like a bubble cleanser. I think it's like apple vinegar bubble cleanser or something. Use that. Totally irritated my skin. Way too strong. And then I used the olive oil cream. It's like a creamy cleanser instead of oil. And that was too drying. And like how is an olive oil-based product still too drying? Um, And I'm still kind of on the fence of whether I even need to use a cleanser. I'm a little skeptical. I kind of, especially in the morning, like I just don't even do that because I'm like, why would my face be dirty in the morning? Um, But I do wear sunscreen and sometimes like a BB kind of cream and sometimes concealer under my eyes. So I want to get that makeup off, but I don't want anything too drying. So I got, I was watching, what's his name? That YouTuber like Hiram something. 
Um, and he's very cute. And he has, I really agree with a lot of the things he does. He doesn't like too many essential oils in his um, skincare products or fragrance. And he tries to, you know, go with more brands that are a little more socially responsible, like not doing animal testing and are cruelty-free and aren't using parabens and all that stuff. So he recommended the Korean brand Rovectin, I think it's called, the Rovectin Clean Lotus Flower Lotion. And so I started looking into that. He also recommended it. Okay, this has been confusing. There is an Isen Tree and there is an Innis Free that are both cream reds. I thought I was just like going crazy because I kept seeing either thing and their logos look a little bit similar too. And honestly, to me, the Isen Tree, the branding looks kind of generic and like cheap to me compared to the Isen Free. So I was getting the Isen Free stuff and I had seen good reviews, but now I'm having, having some issues. And Hiram, this skincare vlogger, is telling me that I should try Isen Tree, like I-S-N-T-R-E-E. So I will. I haven't got anything yet, but I will. Um, it sounds like it it doesn't have as many additives or irritants or essential oils. And I think that's probably where my issues are coming from with this and free product. So I'm going to go for it. The other brand he recommended was Crave Beauty. And I had heard of that in the States, but I've never tried it either. Um, I'm not sure the best place to buy it here or if they have like a storefront. So I need to look into that in Korea. Um, but I did buy three different products from Rovectin. That's R-O-V-E-C-T-I-N. And I'll put the, the links in the show notes. And if you're in America, the best way to buy these things, I think would be on like Yes Style or like Wish Trend. I've heard of both of those. I've never really used them, but that seems to be the best way. Um, and you can get free shipping on orders over like 40 or 60. I can't remember. Um, but I bought a cleansing, a cleanser from Revectin, a lotion, which is actually like a clear gel. It's kind of bizarre. And then you put on after the cleanser, and I did it this morning. It feels really nice. And I and I tried the um, Rovectin Clean Lotus Flower Lotion the other day, and it felt really nice. It's like a very light lotion for your face. I think I'm always just skeptical because I need those like heavier creams. At the same time, summer is coming, and it's really humid here, so I probably don't want the heavier creams. But oh, it's just kind of sad when you try products, and then sometimes over time they just don't hold up because you spent the money on the products and you want them to work. But then what do you do when it's half empty and it irritates your skin? I don't know. I don't know. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Little Things. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can hear about all the new episodes. And if you want to follow along a little more, hop on Instagram and follow me at Coastally Cummings. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter at coastally.substack.com.